Pastor's Cut Podcast, where each week the teaching team of First Baptist Tulsa expands upon the scripture for the upcoming Sunday to help our community group leaders prepare their hearts and minds to delve into scripture they'll be teaching. But we welcome anyone to listen in on our conversations. So if you know someone who loves biblical rabbit trails and awkward illustrations, feel free to share this podcast with them. It's a really great way to get to know your pastor better, your church staff better, and we hope more than anything that it'll be an encouragement in your relationship with God so that you'll get to know Him better. You've probably already noticed that the vibe in the room is different today. My name is Marissa Carter. I'm the Pastoral Care Associate here at First Baptist. Darren and Dave are both on vacation this week in separate but equally undisclosed locations, and the rest of us here at the church are running around preparing for VBS that begins next week. So their vacation plans may or may not have been strategic. This summer, we'll be working through the book of Hebrews together, and today we'll be discussing our scripture for Sunday, June 18th, Hebrews chapter 3. Now, you'll remember in our study of Ephesians, we were given insight into the challenges of being a pagan convert to Christianity. Paul encouraged the Ephesian believers as they adopted this whole new way of being and thinking. Christianity offered a definitive understanding of the divine and a moral compass that was clear. For the first time, here was a God that was knowable and whose character was coherent and holy. Witnessing this transition gives us a better understanding of what it means to be born again. These baby Christians were being formed by the Spirit of God into new people, developing new habits and reflexes as they took off their old pagan ways and put on the new clothing of God's kingdom. Everything was revolutionary to them as they learned to live in ways that honored God and showed love to other people, no matter where they fell within Rome's hierarchy. These pagan converts faced many challenges, but as we read the book of Hebrews, we'll come to understand the challenges in store for Jewish converts. For some Jewish believers in Christ, the transition from Judaism to Christianity was smoother. The Jewish people already had this established understanding of God's will and character, They already understood their identity as children of God. They already saw themselves as members of his household, living within the house established by Moses and the law. So as we compare Ephesians and Hebrews, think of the passion of a brand new believer. Think of someone who has spent a lifetime groping for meaning in the darkness and finally finds the light of Jesus to illuminate their way. When a person comes to Christ later in life and is integrated into church culture, they may break unspoken rules they don't even know exist, making the cradle roll crowd uncomfortable. They may cuss a little, but oh, they love Jesus. These are the Ephesians. Now think of someone who grew up in the church, who never knew a life apart from the knowledge of God's ways, never once cussed. Think of someone, and maybe it's you, who was told since the day of their baby dedication that they were beloved that God had a plan for them. I think all of us who are lifelong Christians have had times in our walks with God when all that love and purpose became something that we almost took for granted. Instead of Christ being the main course of our lives, he became a supplement where those who are new to the faith can experience this really overwhelming sense of gratitude for their undeserved divine love 
We who've been here since the beginning, who have always been in his house with his people, his grace becomes assumed. And it's not necessarily entitlement, but it's almost a desensitization to the wonder of his grace. You might be getting a picture of the prodigal son and his older brother. And hold on to that image this summer as we work through Hebrews. Think of those two brothers. This is a book for the older brother. And if you experience salvation early in life, and if your parents had you in church every single time the doors were open, this might be a book for you. In the prodigal son's parable, the father longs to bless and embrace both his children. And the younger brother melts in his arms, understanding how close he came to destruction. The older brother, who has always been confident of his status in God's household, is at the bigger risk of missing out completely on receiving rest and peace within it. For the Ephesians, following Christ was almost more straightforward. Throw off the old clothes and wear these new ones. But for the Hebrew believers, their old clothes were still beautiful. The law, the prophets, the Psalms, the wisdom of their rabbis, all these things were still radiant. Jesus himself said in Matthew 5, 17, Don't think that I've come to do away with the law of Moses and the teachings of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. The book of Hebrews seeks to assure the Jewish believers that the gospel did not replace the Torah. The Torah was the gospel all along, a continuation of God's plan for his people, an opportunity to be embraced by the Father and to be reconciled to him in a way that was never possible under the law alone. This is why the law was given. It's what the law pointed towards. So these Jewish believers started to wonder, why are new clothes even necessary? What's the point of following Christ? Isn't he just another guide, another rabbi with really incredible insight? Yes, but only helping us to better understand the teachings of Moses. And Hebrews addresses this as well. The author of Hebrews challenges those who would continue to see Moses as superior to Jesus. The author asks, why would we follow the guidance of Moses that led us through the wilderness and then reject the promised land? Why would we honor and venerate the master's faithful servant, but reject the master's son, who's not just worthy of honor, but worthy of our worship? The law had brought the people of God all the way to the walls of God's house, but the gospel unlocks the gate so that we can experience the father's embrace. John 10, 9, Jesus says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. Think of the structure of the Jerusalem temple. The law brought us to the inner courts, but couldn't allow us to enter into God's presence in the Holy of Holies. It's the sacrifice of Jesus that ripped the curtain of separation in two. So with all these things in mind, listen to Hebrews chapter three, verses one through six. Therefore, Holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all of God's house bearing witness to what was, would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. Notice that Moses is not in any way being criticized here. He's not being thrown away or discounted. He's being honored. 
The author of Hebrews is saying that it's right to look to Moses and venerate him, but that Jesus is worthy of even greater honor. If we lift up the name of Moses as the most faithful among us, then is it not more apparent that we should honor Christ, the one who Moses was pointing us towards? This is a typical feature of ancient works, especially Hebrew ones. These ancient narrators love to tell stories of parallel characters to not only contrast good and bad role models, but also good and better ones. Do you remember reading Highlights magazine when you were little? Maybe only in the pediatrician's waiting room when that was the only option, but you would look for the little comics about two boys named Goofus and Gallant. The purpose of these comics was to illustrate the differences between right and wrong and provide examples of positive behavior for us to copy. We should want to be Gallant. Goofus kicks a puppy while Gallant pets and cares for the puppy. (laughs) Goofus steals an apple. Gallant shares an apple with his friends. Well, Moses and Jesus aren't goofus and gallant, but think of them as gallant and even more gallant. Moses bore witness to God's word. Jesus was God's word. Moses was a faithful servant of God's household. Jesus is the son who has authority in his father's house. Of all the people in the household of God, Moses was the most faithful. This is a quotation from the book of Numbers, but Jesus is the one who built that house meaning that it's through Christ that we dwell in God's presence as members of his family. He has built the house we live within. Through him, we were adopted into God's household and have the opportunity to live to God's glory. Romans 10, 4 states, Christ is the culmination of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. And the author of Hebrews here plays with the idea of God's house. We as believers in Christ are both honored to live within the house of God and we are the house of God collectively as the church built for God's glory and individually as the dwelling place of his spirit, each of us a tabernacle built by Christ. The author of Hebrews warns, remember your ancestors in the wilderness, long guided by the words and wisdom and leadership of Moses, but who still were unable to enter the promised land because of their disobedience, their lack of gratitude, their lack of wonder. This is the fate of many older brothers. Don't fall into the trap of obeying the law and being rightly concerned with righteousness, but never accepting the milk and honey of rest and peace that is its fulfillment and very purpose. We see a similar warning in Galatians 2 as Paul and Peter engage in a discourse about what it means for them as Jewish men that the law has been fulfilled. Paul reminds Peter, For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I don't set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And later in Hebrews chapter 3, the author will continue with a warning to those who are starting to reject Jesus' primacy, who are starting to see him as this edifying but maybe unnecessary detour on the established journey to God. I think it's interesting that the attractiveness of universalism isn't a modern phenomenon. Jesus answers our desire for universalist ideas that all spiritual paths lead to God by declaring that he is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, he said. And it would be foolish to call him our Lord and not take him at his word, that he is the only way. Last month on the Russell Moore podcast, Dr. Moore interviewed Rain Wilson. He wasn't a Christian. He's a practitioner of the Baha'i faith. 
Rain is best known as the actor who played Dwight Schrute on The Office, but he's also a vocal advocate for the importance of faith and spirituality in our daily lives. And in the podcast interview, Rain describes the way that Jesus is venerated by the Baha'i as a guide to God. But he equates Jesus with Moses, with Muhammad, with Buddha, each seen as kind of a casement for divine light, a lamp, but not the light itself. As Christians, the, the defining core of our faith is the declaration that Jesus is much more than a guide, much more than a lamp. He is light and truth itself. He is the fulfillment of the law. So we end as Hebrew 3 begins. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Consider him carefully, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Until we meet again next week, may God bless you and keep you and shine his face towards you. Amen. 